Let me just eliminate all of the white noise for They're you. They're counting on you not understanding what this is all about. They want to create conflict. They want to create this chaos. They want you to be stupid. This is the Conservative Daily Podcast with Joe Waldman. Yeah, I'm a threat because I'm telling you what the Constitution says. And Max McGuire. The flak is the heaviest when the bomber is right above the target about to open the bomb bay doors. And now the Conservative Daily Podcast is on the air. Welcome back to another edition of the Conservative Daily Podcast. My name is Max McGuire. And my name is Joe Oldman. Busy day of meetings. More meetings. Meetings. Meetings to talk about future meetings, to hey. then have breakout session meetings. But all good. Hey, listen, all good things. I don't, I, don't, I don't know how you complain about the meetings that you had when the meetings were designed to make it so that future oh, meetings would like be it. less meaningful. I, I'm a big fan of meetings. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm also a big fan of meetings to talk about in more meetings. Anyway, we have, a, we have a big show today, but before I get into it, we're going to remind everyone that we have a sponsor, Enterforce. Enterforce it has joined forces with us to help the January 6th prisoners and help you potentially to win this 2021 Ford F450 with a gooseneck trailer and a, uh, a four-wheel Cam-Am Maverick plus 20,000 cold hard cash. Here's how it works. When you go to their website and you purchase one of these t-shirts, these free our people t-shirts, again, Dude, this is like $130,000 yeah, no, setup. So when you go and you purchase one of these t-shirts, you're going to get 800 entries to win that Ford F450 package. But when you use promo code CD21, Charlie Delta 21, you're going to get an extra thousand entries on top of that. Or if you don't want to win because you're lame, you can use CD10 to get an extra 10% <laughs> off. <laughs> You know how awesome it would be to have people have one of have one of our listeners win this. Yeah, yeah, it would it'd be awesome. It'd be great. I, I did tell him that's a requirement too. I was like, listen, we'll do this, but it's a requirement. And and guys, so that we know why we're doing this, we're doing it to give money. Why we decided to have them as a sponsor? Yeah, is to give money to the January six yeah prisoners. So yeah. here's that work. You go to enterforce.com, e n r f o r c e dot com. Use promo code CD twenty one or CD ten if you want to get ten percent off. Buy some gear. Support the January 6th protesters and have a chance to win big full disclosure. No per purchase or payment is technically necessary to enter or win and buying something will not improve your chances of winning. Okay. That is out of the way. Why don't we welcome on our guest, Abrian Aguirre. He is from the great state of Hawaii that I just got back from and I miss it every day. Um, a COVID-19 whistleblower. So why don't we welcome Abrian onto the show? Abrian, welcome. How's it, guys? Aloha. Good to Aloha. be on. Is it, is it mahalo? Uh, Aloha is hello. Mahalo hello? is thank you. Oh, mahalo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you guys as well. I appreciate it. Thank you for uh, creating this platform for people to speak the, the truth. So, so you are blowing the whistle on the Department of Health. Uh, on the Department of Health, on COVID protocol, and what truly went on on isolation and non-isolation uh, COVID units so here in the state of Hawaii. Why don't you tell people who you are, what you you know, what you have done, your your history, and then we'll just jump right into it. Uh, so my name is Abrian Aguirre. I'm a board certified and state licensed occupational therapy assistant. I've worked on multiple COVID units. I was actually promoted to director of rehab at one time after my work on the COVID units with the facility that I worked at and the company that I worked for. Uh, shortly after that, I had come out publicly and 
had shared my eyewitness account of what I was encountering with the whole pandemic or plandemic. And that's when I received a lot of backlash from the facility and the company that I worked for. Uh, ultimately, I was fired. I was terminated from the company. Um, but I haven't stopped uh, speaking up about what I what I witnessed. So let's go through some of the stuff you witnessed. Um, yes. I, yep. I watched a, a few of your interviews today, and I know you spoke with uh, producer Apollo before you came on. Yes. I, I need you to explain this to me because you were you witnessed people who were COVID positive, but they also had basically comorbidities. They were uh, they were not doing well. You witnessed them yes. getting put into COVID wards and not being treated at all. Yes. So um, I had opted to work on COVID units because at the time I had moved from one Hawaiian island to the island of Oahu. I started with a new company. So I was a treating therapist, treating patients at a skilled nursing facility. I worked at the biggest skilled nursing facility here on Oahu with was considered the most at-risk population for SARS-CoV-2 at the time. During that time, we had a COVID outbreak shortly after I arrived. I didn't have any furlough days to take. They were furloughing workers, therapists. So I opted to work COVID units if they were mm -hmm. gonna allow therapy to be conducted up there. Uh, they approved therapy to be conducted up there. They sent me up to the COVID units. Um, immediately, what I started to see wasn't what the mainstream media was portraying. We had patients that were considered positive for COVID because of the PCR test, yet they were mostly asymptomatic. About 90% of the individuals that I encountered on these COVID units and this is an isolation COVID unit, so only certain personnel are allowed up there, or asymptomatic, or what they were calling asymptomatic at the time. Now, if I'm your therapist and I'm treating you, you're extremely old. You're at the end of your lifespan. You're between 70 and 95 or 100 years of age. Yeah, people you in have Hawaii multiple, live a long time, just so you know. You have mul multiple <laughs> preconditions, and you have tons of comorbidities. You're on a lot of different medication. So... Any type of virus, any type of bacterial or viral infection will affect you. The fact that there were all these people testing positive, yet were experienced no added complications from their COVID diagnosis. They were considered asymptomatic, only struggling with their already pre-existing conditions. Mm -hmm. And many of them terminal. Many of them Struck having me as terminal odd. conditions. Yes, and some of them were terminal. Some of them were hospice already given a certain time frame in which they were going to pass weeks, months, um, and they were placed on these COVID units as well. Unfortunately, after those individuals passed away from terminal illness, um, they were labeled COVID deaths. So you're talking, because you're, you're talking things like late stage renal failure, things that just um, incurable. Brain cancer, cancer, lung cancer. They were given three weeks to live placed on the COVID unit, and then immediately after passing, they were labeled a COVID death. So like three weeks to live, they test positive on a PCR test, which we've talked about yes. on the show, how unreliable yes. those are. They're asymptomatic. Yes. They die in the time frame that doctors told them to be prepared for with their terminal illness, and they get yes. labeled as a COVID fatality. Yes. Yeah, immediately after their death, they would go up on the um, lieutenant 
our Lieutenant Governor uh, Josh Green's COVID death list, which would was then given to the media, our local media here, and then would be shown all over the news. Um, I reached out to him through social media. I told him I think he had made a mistake that some of those patients were hospice patients that were passing away of terminal yeah. illness. And I knew for a fact because I was one of the practitioners that was with them when they had passed on these units and he did not get back to me. I then confronted him in person later on. And again, he just uh, kind of cowered and, and ran off with his bodyguard and jumped in his car and left. He just wouldn't engage me in any conversation. So was that common? So I, I, I remember watching another one of your interviews where you said that they weren't given treatment. Was that because they were on hospice care or was that normal uh, at that part in the pandemic where they didn't know what to do, how to treat people? Yeah. So what was going on is the, the first couple COVID units that I worked on, there was no protocol for treatment. At the time, this virus was considered novel. So there was no protocol, there was no effective treatment at the time. So at the skilled nursing facility, which is a, a subacute setting, uh, major hospital is going to be your acute setting, skilled nursing facility, subacute. So at the subacute setting, our protocol was to quarantine for 14 days, isolate, quarantine these patients for 14 days and not administer any therapeutics because at the time there were no therapeutics considered. Not even uh, like vitamin effective. C, vitamin D. Well, th th those no would be zinc, considered no thera vitamin therapeutics. C. Therapeutics would be the, anything related to or could be like an antiviral, like an or, yeah. antibiotic, well, like anything, hydroxychloroquine. No. So at the, at the subacute setting, the skilled nursing facility setting, they were withholding treatment. The only thing that they were allowed to administer was supplemental oxygen. And then if the patient was really struggling to breathe, continuous oxygen. But someone who's mislabeled COVID yet is suffering from a bacterial infection, you can give them all the continuous oxygen you want. Yeah, They're yeah. not going to get better. And that's what I was seeing. I was seeing patients that were struggling from urinary tract infection, aspiration pneumonia, pneumonia, not receive therapeutics because they were labeled or mislabeled COVID due to the PCR test, which is yeah. not a diagnostic test. So I'll, I'll let it Joe jump in here real quick, but I just want to yeah. ask you, they weren't getting treatment for COVID. Were they also not getting treatment for their other ailments? Well, yes, because they were only labeled COVID. You see, so, everything, everything, everything was rebranded COVID. If you had influenza, you were COVID. If you had uh, chronic bronchitis, you were COVID. If you had a urinary tract infection, UTI, which is very common, especially at the skilled nursing yeah. facility level, um, many of them, many of them have trouble urinating, so they have Foley catheters. So, that so wasn't, they acquired. It wasn't guys. like. COVID became the primary and their urinary tract infection became the secondary. They were just, it, they just had to deal with an untreated urinary tract infection because they were all of a sudden magically became COVID. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, this is the similar story that we heard coming out of New York city, right? Yes. And yeah. So not, not only were we not treating, we were withholding treatment. We were only isolating and quarantining, but, Along with that, we weren't even sending patient out, patients out that were deteriorating. We weren't sending them out to an acute care setting. We could have sent them out to a big trauma one hospital. They could have received proper treatment and care, yet for some reason, the facility's policy was just to keep them. So keep them and let them die. Now, and now that's the surprising thing is what I heard from 
other sources, co-workers, was that there were a lot of deaths on the mainland at the skilled nursing facility level in nursing homes. I don't watch the news much. I tend to just work and surf and, and you know keep my life as simple as possible. But you do hear things through the grapevine. You hear things at work. So I was hearing of a lot of fatalities that were happening on the mainland in nursing facilities. That's not what I was seeing where, where I was working. The COVID units I worked on, we weren't seeing the high number of fatalities. That also struck me as odd. Huge red flag. Or red we don't flag have a high or... number of fatalities. And we're with, withholding treatment. We should have been seeing this high number of fatalities, these patients with COVID not being treated for anything, yet we didn't have the high number of fatalities that they were showing on the mainland. Do you think that's directly related? Very odd. Do you, do you think that's directly yes. related to the fact that you have a high, I mean, there's lots of sun, high vitamin D content. I assume that most of these people, they were quarantined inside. Were they allowed to go outside? Or is it, you just have to stay in your room? No, was no there... one was allowed outside. They were quarantined inside. They weren't allowed outside. And most of these patients, you have to understand, these people are, are struggling with end-stage renal failure. They're diabetic. They're receiving dialysis three times per week. They have congestive heart failure. They may have an ejection fraction of 37%, meaning their myocardium, their heart muscle is only pushing out and pumping blood at 37% capacity as opposed to 100. So these aren't healthy individuals. Yeah. These individuals are very sickly and very old. And yet, no added complications from COVID, not a high death rate, not a, you know, we're not seeing these high number of fatalities that they're presenting on mainstream media from the, the main, mainland. Very odd that most of our patients were actually asymptomatic for COVID, only, are, only struggling with their already pre-existing condition. Yeah. Um, some of them terminal illness so, as well. So, so I want to I understand this. You have yes. a bunch of people that tested positive for COVID with a PCR test. You're, you're looking around, you're doing therapy and going through the things that you need to do on your side. Yes. And these people are, you can't tell that they have COVID. There's no, you know, uh, there's no cough. There's no, you know, the normal things that would accompany um, the upper respiratory infection, which typically leads to the highest distress where they have to vent those patients. So that wasn't yes. happening at all. People were dying and the toe tag, or I use toe tag, Basically, the when when they are their death certificate says they died of COVID. Yes, yes, absolutely. But they were asymptomatic. Not 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 terminal illness, not cancer, uh, not end stage renal failure. COVID. Yet they were asymptomatic. Okay, okay. So so walk me through this. What's the why? Will they get more? The money? why is it's it's incentivized healthcare. So what I, what I later found out after I became director of rehab was that in a skilled nursing facility setting, because we were federally funded, Medicare, Medicaid, we would immediately receive 20% higher reimbursement for labeling someone as COVID, meaning using an ICD-10 diagnosis code for COVID, as opposed to a chronic bronchitis or COPD. So if we labeled them a COVID diagnosis code, we would receive 20% more reimbursement through the federal government and through the CARES Act fund. So, so I, I need to understand this. So they're getting paid 20% yes. more. So you get 20% more. So let's say I give, I give you 20%. You get 20% more. Yep. Does that mean they even had people that were not even tested positive for COVID that would be marked as COVID death? Um, could be. I mean, 
I never looked into everyone's test exactly. So the, there could have been some people that weren't, that hadn't been administered a PCR test that were considered COVID simply because they had a roommate that tested positive. Um, well, that was happening I a lot. That was happening a lot in the early pandemic where tests weren't available. They basically say, okay, if they have two of the symptoms, then they have COVID, except that could mean the sniffles and a headache. <laughs> Absolutely. So there, yeah. there was a lot and, of that. And the, the ICD-10 diagnosis code guidelines actually present a situation where you can use uh, different COVID codes for that exact uh, scenario. Say you're in a room with someone who tested positive and they had symptoms, yet you didn't have symptoms. We can assume that the roommate also has COVID simply because they shared a room with someone who had a positive test and maybe had a symptom or two. So did you witness, did you witness fraud? Did you witness people being labeled COVID fatalities when they were not, when they didn't even have COVID? Uh, I believe so. I believe so. There was, there was one, one, one individual, I have to watch my words here. There's one individual that had, contracted UTIs while they were with us, had a Foley catheter. We had been treating this individual multiple times for UTIs. They were administered antibiotics to treat that. That's a bacterial infection. Right. It had gone away. This individual had no symptoms, but had a positive PCR test, was moved to the uh, isolation COVID unit. I was treating this patient. I had treated this patient off the COVID unit and on the COVID unit. So I was very familiar with this individual's medical history. This individual a few days on the COVID unit started to uh, present with UTI-like symptoms, urinary tract infection. So again, we had already treated this person multiple times for UTI successfully. But because this patient was now labeled a COVID patient, we weren't giving them any antibiotics for the UTI. Every symptom wow. that that patients presented with, however minute or, or critical, was considered a SARS-CoV-2 symptom. And that's all that it was looked at. Like, that's all we looked at. And again, at the time, there was no treatment. There was no. Did this person have another UTI that, that went untreated? So this person, I believe, had a UTI. This person was was considered passing away of COVID because their condition to deteriorate it so bad and rapidly yeah. because they weren't given anything. So I believe this person ultimately passed away of a UTI infection because they weren't given proper antibiotics for it to fight it fight it off. The, weird, the, the, the thing that's more strange is that while this patient is passing away on the isolation COVID unit, isolated COVID unit, before they've even been, before they're deceased, while this person is still alive, they were moved off the COVID unit into the general population, into a room with a roommate. To infect other people. If they, if they really so if this it. individual is passing away of COVID, you have a positive PCR test. Why would you move them off an wow. isolated COVID unit into a general unit with a roommate? Wow. And I know this because I had come off the COVID unit. There were only a few number of patients still on the COVID unit. So they determined that the therapists that were working up there could come down. Um, started working on the generalized unit. 
and realized this general, this person was in that room and thought, okay, this is very strange. If this person is truly passing away of COVID, why wouldn't you keep them on that isolated unit? Why would yeah. you bring them to a general population unit and with a roommate? And then sure enough, a few days after that individual passed away. That's incredible. Got to take a moment real quick to remind everyone this podcast is sponsored by IPVanish VPN. IPVanish VPN exists to make sure that you can safeguard your information, your identity, and your privacy online without having other people spying on what you're doing. If you're tired of feeling like someone's watching you on the internet, understand that the advertisers know a little bit too much about you, or if you just want to preserve your privacy, IPVanish is here to protect your right to privacy and help you stay anonymous online. It helps you safely browse the internet without exposing your private details to third parties such as hackers, your ISP, or advertisers. You can use IPVanish on your computers, tablets, phones, and even devices like your Fire Stick when you're streaming media. When you use IPVanish, all of your data is encrypted. That means that your private details and passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's that simple. And here's the deal. For listeners of this show, IPVanish is offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan with a 30% money, a 30-day money back guarantee. It's, it's a no-brainer. It's like getting nine months free. So go on over to ipvanish.com forward slash daily and use promo code daily to claim your 70% savings. Again, that's ipvanish.com forward slash daily. I, I want to ask you. Um, yes. I mean, this is, this, is, this is really heartbreaking. What time frame was this? Was this really early pandemic like, like February, March, April 2020? Let's see. I started with this company in March of 2020. I believe this was April, towards the end of April, beginning of May is when we had our first outbreak and established the first uh, two COVID isolation. Units. Because there were that treatment continued. plans. There were treatment plans at the time. There were, so there was there the were treatment plans Z-pack. that were being administered. There were treatment plans that were being administered in the acute setting, meaning the hospital setting in the subacute setting. And I'm not sure if it was for every subacute yeah. setting or every skilled nursing facility, but in ours, I know our protocol was to withhold treatment. So is that there because no you guys treatment. didn't have a doctor or a nurse practitioner on site who could make a diagnosis so, and prescribe? No, another big red flag. Okay. I'm a board certified occupational therapy assistant. I have a board certification, I have state license in Hawaii as well as Florida to practice. The people running the COVID unit, now remember, this is at Hawaii's biggest skilled nursing facility with our most at-risk population for SARS-CoV-2. Many people had seen what it had done on the mainland. Hawaii is a very isolated population, you know, very, very uh, close-knit area. I had to throw out my banana. They wouldn't even let me bring that in. Did you try to take it on a boat? No, it just got, it just got <laughs> accidentally kept inside of a bag. But we threw oh, my it out. goodness. So, so here we are, right? The most at-risk population, our older geriatric population for this virus, the, the most deadliest virus in the history of mankind. And at this facility, the people running the COVID unit was an occupational therapy assistant, a physical therapy assistant, two certified nursing assistants, and an RN. There was no infectious disease doctor up there. There was no infectious disease nurse. There was no representation from the Department of Health. No nurse practitioner. 
no, no nurse practitioner, no doctor up there. No PA? There, our, our lieutenant governor, Josh Green, is an ER physician. At no time did he come down to visit us to assess the situation on our COVID unit. No one from the CDC. How is that even possible? No, like I'm a great guy and I do my best and I'm a very compassionate person. Yeah. But why am I running? Why am I run of the, one of the people running, you know, the COVID unit at the biggest skilled nursing facility on Oahu with the most at-risk population? So there were people who very died. Very strange. There were people who, who died from whether it's COVID-19 or it's their other preconditions, pre-existing conditions. There are people who died and had nothing given to them to help them, and a doctor never even observed them? The only time a doctor would observe was through a video chat that lasted maybe two minutes if they were lucky. And they wouldn't, and they wouldn't prescribe through those video chats? I never heard them prescribe. I heard them, uh, I heard them talk about possibly administering uh, oxygen if the individual need it. Outside of that, that's all I saw patients receiving was either supplemental oxygen or continuous oxygen. And then some of them did, uh, they continued to receive like medication for their already pre-existing conditions. Well, I mean, I, I want to go back to the, the person that had the UTI infection. Yes. So they had a UTI infection off, off the um, COVID, COVID unit. unit. Went yes. to the COVID unit because they tested positive. So I said they tested positive on a PCR test, goes up to the COVID unit. At that point, yep. all treatment stops for that person. Uh, yeah, they, I mean, some patients didn't, so it was very odd. I'm talking the, the about crazy, this one patient, this one patient. You're okay, so about. this one patient, yeah, they weren't, they weren't given anything at the time because everything, I guess what they had was considered a COVID infection and we weren't allowed to give any off-labeling drugs like a hydroxychloroquine. Yeah. Who would have administered it? I mean, a video okay. doctor? So, I don't So, So I, I want to just kind of back up. Well, usually it's a PA, yep. right? Or a nurse practitioner or yeah. someone like that, yep. right? So yep. I want to talk about this specific They weren't even person. allowed up on our units, which because, is weird. Because you, you, you probably know the person's name, right? Yes. Yeah, I have, I have uh, documentation of the individual. Have you, have, yes. you decide, have you even thought about talking to their, their next of kin? Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's very tricky with, uh, HIPAA. Yeah. Um, you know, I would love to be able to reach out to some of these individuals and let them know what, what truly happened. This is the whole reason why I started speaking up in the first place. They murdered this person. I mean, it, I believe so. I, I know I with the UTI, so. you have a fever, right? So there's certain things that happen. Right. You're, you're going to have fever yep. spotting. I mean, there's lots of things that happen on your body when you yes. basically start to rot from the inside out from a UTI. Right. Yes. It, it, uh, it does not mimic COVID symptoms. I mean, you could put them under COVID symptoms because no. we don't even know what COVID symptoms are, but you, you they're, everything. Giving they're everything yeah. and anything. They're, they're so generalized at this point. You literally read the back of the Pepto-Bismol bottle and it's everything there. Right. Absolutely. But, but my, my point is, is that this person suffered greatly. Yes, absolutely. So, so you, you I mean, came I, forward, you lost your job. I mean, this is going to affect you, right? Yes. There, there's oh, got yeah, to be some, at some point you double down and say, all right, this person was tortured. I mean, let's call it what it is. 
a lack yes. of humanity. They tortured this person. They had a UTI, could have given them bacteria. I assume they'll say that this person was end of life. Was this person end of life? Uh, this person, so the strange thing about this person is this person was set to go home. This person didn't have an end of life illness. This person was receiving therapy services, physical therapy, wow. occupational therapy, uh, I believe maybe even speech therapy at one time, but this individual was receiving therapeutic services and we were going to discharge this individual within a couple weeks to go home, live out the remainder of their life independently, either alone or with family. Um, so this individual was actually on the way out to go home and yet once they uh, experienced the positive PCR test, they were moved up to the COVID unit. And, COVID, I believe and, and you don't believe a, that COVID killed them? Uh, no. I, I, out of the six deaths that occurred in about a year on these COVID units, now a year, about it, no, well, about, so I've seen about six deaths in, I'd say, 10 to 11 months on these COVID okay. units. So, so in the COVID unit, only six people died? Six people passed away. Okay, From that they COVID. were, that they, well, so here's the tricky part. Six people passed away on, on these units that I witnessed. Now, there were other COVID units after me. Maybe they had more people pass mm -hmm. away. I don't know. I can only talk about what I experienced on the units that I worked. During the time that I worked at this facility, I encountered six people passing away that were considered COVID. Yet, a couple of those people were terminally ill hospice patients. Yeah. One individual, I believe, had a UTI. Another individual, I believe, had pneumonia. Another individual, I believe, had well, well, aspiration pneumonia. Aspiration pneumonia. Now, this is why. This individual that I believe aspirated was receiving speech therapy for swallowing difficulties and a history of aspiration. Now, once they uh, were tested uh, with the PCR test and test positive, they were moved to the COVID unit. There was no speech therapist the to monitor their. There was no speech therapist to monitor their feeding while they were eating. So this this individual most likely aspirated, wow. acquired aspiration pneumonia because this person was asymptomatic, had no symptoms until they got up to the COVID unit, possibly aspirated, acquired aspiration yeah. pneumonia, bacterial infection, and wasn't given any therapeutics for it. Was eventually sent out the day before, no, was sent out and then the next day passed away in the acute care setting. So you can't reach out to the family because of HIPAA. And I, I get that completely. Yeah. But HIPAA does not stop people from stepping forward and reporting healthcare yes. settings. Well, I'm a, man, I'm a patients. mandated reporter. I'm yes. a mandated reporter. So have you, have you received I mean, any whistleblower status? Have you applied for any kind of whistleblower protections? So... Before I answer that, let me go back to, to what I was saying with the patients. So here you have six people that passed away on, you know, during the time that I was working in this facility on COVID units, on re step down, recovered, recovering COVID units. So six people, yet you couldn't fully attribute COVID yeah. to all six patients. You know, here you have a couple hospice patients that passed away from terminal illness. You have the UTI patient you have a patient with aspiration pneumonia possibly um you have a patient with back you know regular bacterial pneumonia so there's five people so possibly one was maybe a true covid patient that passed away now 
after my time on these COVID units, I was promoted to director of rehab in a different facility, but with the same company. It's a smaller facility. It was a hundred bed facility. I was promoted to director of rehab in December of 2021. So rather quickly, I had only worked with the company for like maybe nine or 10 months, right? 10 months promoted to director. 2021 or 2020? Oh, 2020, December 2020, okay. and right. then so January 2021. Thank you. January 2021, while I was director at this new facility, we rolled out our uh, vaccination. We rolled out the Moderna vaccine. That's the one they were administering at the facil uh, facility I worked at. Now, during that time, in a span of about four, maybe four and a half months, I saw 32 people pass away. Immediately after the administration, like at, after they administered the uh, COVID vaccine, patients' conditions started to deteriorate. Hold on a second. We started to I wanna, yes. I want to back. I want to back up a minute so that people can get get a feel for what you're saying, and and I think this is important. So you worked for nine months. You got promoted. You were at a facility that was uh, one of the larger high high risk facilities um, in. In, in Oahu, right? Are you in, on Oahu? Okay. Yes. And so you had six people die in that nine-month period of time. You were promoted to another yep. facility that had about 100 beds? Yes. And in that 100 beds, that was not a COVID unit, but you had people no, that they had, they had experienced COVID there, and there yeah. were patients that were coming in and out that had COVID diagnosis, but they didn't have an isolated unit yeah. or anything at the time. They just okay. had a few people here and there. So nine months, six people died. All? Yes. I mean, you have one that basically suffered with UTI, which um, somebody yes. just brought up in the in the comments that hallucinogens are, are commonly another side effect of that. So, so that happened at that facility. All of a sudden, they roll yep. out Moderna. In January of 2021, you are, you are now the director, and 32 yes. people died in how long? In about four, four and a half months. So, um, four, so a third of the people died in that four and a half months. Yes. yes. Okay. So 30% mortality after, after they got the vaccine. Yes. How many of the patients typically would have, ex <laughs> you have expected to pass away in that time? Well, it's an important question because no, we're no, talking I wasn't about very, asking that very, question. I was, I was yeah, laughing at the, 80, the percentage. Like so how, that's the thing. It's very how hard, many would you expect very to Very hard to lose? answer that because we see peaks and troughs in healthcare where there's certain months where we have you know, quite a bit of people, we see a lot of heart attacks and not everyone okay. survives heart attack. We see a lot of strokes, uh, a lot of, you know, brain hemorrhages. So it, it's very hard to, to put a number on our percentage. All I know is the administrator, myself, the director found it very odd that after we had administered these vaccines that people that were set to go homes, you know, so we, we got yeah. them to where their condition was stable. They were going to go home. Um, their condition started to deteriorate. They started to develop uh, DVT, deep vein thrombosis, blood clots. Yet these are people that were actually receiving anticoagulant yeah. blood thinners and they're acquiring blood clots. Very strange. We started to see uh, pulmonary embolisms or embolus, you know, clots in the lungs. We started to see myocarditis, myocardial infarction, heart attacks, swelling of the heart muscle. We started to see CVA, cerebrovascular accidents, which are strokes. Yeah. Um, so 
And the, a lot of these were in patients that were set to be discharged and go home. They had had maybe a hip fracture. Uh, we had rehabbed them and, you know, had done caregiver training and we were ready to send them off. And now they've taken the vaccine. Their condition is worsened. They've acquired blood clots. They've, uh, you know, acquired a myocardial infarction heart attack. And now they're being sent out to an acute care setting to be treated. Some of those patients, many of them didn't come back. Did you submit those we, cases to VAERS and did anyone ever investigate those cases? No. So I never submitted those to VAERS. It would have been either the uh, nurse practitioner. But there's no doctor. Um, no doctor. Or, well, <laughs> this no... is at a different facility. Okay. Remember, this isn't on a COVID unit. This is on a different facility. There's no COVID unit on this facility. They're just patients that are, have been labeled COVID. Um, so, well, the crazy thing is those statistics of the patients. See, all this gets reported to the Department of Health at the skilled nursing facilities. We report these statistics. We report like the vaccination rate. Uh, we report uh, people that were fully vaccinated, meaning if you had the Pfizer Moderna shot, two weeks after your last shot, you were considered fully vaccinated. So patients that were fully considered fully vaccinated were still testing positive with the PCR test and some of them still acquiring symptoms or you know uh, exhibiting symptoms that could have been uh, attributed or equated to COVID. So we were sending the Department of Health this. They knew early on that these vaccines were ineffective, that they weren't working, that individuals were still testing positive and still becoming sick, both patients and workers, employees. So I have a friend that used to work at the Department of Health here in Hawaii, and he was a whistleblower. He, I asked him about those statistics. I said, did you ever get any of our statistics that we sent to you? And he goes, yes, we were asked to bury them. We were told to bury them. We were told that the only statistics that they were supposed to focus on was anyone that died and the rate of positivity. Those are the only two statistics they were supposed to report. So, so and I keep almost, track of everything else was to be buried. So I almost feel like it's the it's the case of the of the people becoming the useful idiots, right? So they get to become a part of the the fear tactics that are being created across the country. But but I want to I'm sorry, I have to get back to this because I'm still a little bit yes. shocked by it. Six people over 9 months COVID yes. starts, six people died. You watch someone suffer through a UTI and die who was supposed to be yes. sent home. All right, 32 people died in a four to four and a half month period of time who got the Moderna yes. vaccine. So they got the Moderna yes. vaccine. A third of the people that are in that population just died. But those are different facilities, correct? Yep. Di same, same people, different that facility. That was a different facility. Yeah. Different same, facility. same company I worked for in the same sister company of the original facility I worked in under the same umbrella, but a different facility, yes. So, okay, so then you have this UTI uh, issue, yes. you're, you're, you're scratching your head at that time, you get promoted, right? Yes. You start seeing some things that just don't make sense. They don't add up in the new facility, 32 people die. You know, you, yes. it, when bodies start stacking up, it's hard not to just feel for the, especially now of the 32 people, I assume some of those people were set to go home or were these all people that had comorbidities that were there for end of life? Uh, some of those patients were long-term patients. Most of them were short-term patients and were going to go home. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know of any of them that were actually hospice patients. Okay. To my knowledge, I don't know at that facility. Uh, I, don't, I 
there might have been maybe one or two, but I, I doubt it. Um, I do remember the fact that a few of them were long-term patients, but the majority of them were set. There were short-term patients that were set to go home at some point. So you had you'd have conversations with these people, and they'd get the vaccine, and would it be a week later? Would it be two weeks later? I know people cycle in and cycle out. It varied. What? It varied. Sometimes it would be that day. They would get the Moderna Sometimes. vaccine, and they would die that day. That even after the first shot. Well, they would their condition would deteriorate all of a sudden. They'd be sent out. And then over maybe three or four days of being in the hospital, we'd hear like, oh, they're not coming back. They passed away. So some, some of them happened the, within, you know, a very short time frame. And then others, it happened a little bit longer. It wasn't until after maybe the second shot that was administered. Because you, you remember, there had to be four weeks between each shot. Yeah. So January, we rolled out the, I can look at the exact date. I think it might have been January 21st was when we first rolled out the vaccine, the first shot of Moderna. Um, and then February, four weeks later in February, the end of February, we rolled out the second shot. Um, so some people passed away and some people's condition deteriorated after the first shot. Some people it wasn't until after the second shot. Uh, so it was a little bit sporadic. But the one common denominator seemed to be the shot. Yeah. I want to get into I want to get into your uh, your decision to come out as a whistleblower. But before I do, I need to remind yes. everyone, this podcast is sponsored by Air Med Care Network, the premier insurance plan to cover you and your loved ones should any of you suffer a medical emergency and need to be airlifted to a hospital. It's not something we get to control. We don't get to decide how and, and, and when we need to go to the hospital. And your insurance is going to want to pay for anything. Air Med Care Network exists to make sure you don't go bankrupt in order to save you or a loved one. Here's how it works. Air to sign up, it costs $85 for one year. That covers you, your spouse, if you have kids, your entire household. And that's one year of coverage. It works out to be less per year if you buy three or five years at a time or if you're a senior citizen. As long as you're flown by an AMCM provider, you will not pay one cent for that air medical transportation flight. And don't worry, they fly over 100,000 patients a year, and they have a little tool on their website that lets you check to make sure they are operating in your area. But here's a bonus. as For listeners of the show, if you want to sign up, not only will you get that amazing deal, but they're going to give you up to $50 back when you go to airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash daily and use promo code daily. So again, go to the link in our description, use promo code daily and get your family protected and get that cash back. I want to ask you about your decision to come out. Obviously, you, you've, you've seen all this. What, yes. what, was the, what was the final straw? What, what made you say, I can't just be a cog in this machine anymore and made you decide to step out and tell the story? Well, one, I had been bringing, I had been, uh, bringing these things to my, uh, superiors, uh, attention the, the, the entire time, you know, uh, my director of rehab when I was still just a treating therapist. And then when I became director, I would report these things to my regional director of rehab. And it always just fell on deaf ears. I was one of the first people to question the PCR test once I printed out the actual test and read what it said in the fine print. You know, I realized that this this test isn't a diagnostic test. You know, I've had approximately 80 PCR tests administered on me, maybe even more. I've never had a, a positive or false positive, yet I worked on all these COVID units, never have never been sick with COVID at all. Very strange that I would be around all this COVID if it was really COVID 
and never, never contracted it myself whatsoever. Wow. You know, you never so some contracted people could say, it or you, you, you went never, and got tested for the antibodies. You didn't, I had to, so I never got tested for the antibodies, but I used to have to test three times per week while working on these COVID units. So okay. three PCR tests per week to determine I was COVID negative while working on these units. Like, then eventually, because I remained unvaccinated, I would have to test every day before I was allowed to start treatment with patients or go into facilities. So I've had a lot of COVID tests, never even had a false positive, was never sick with COVID. You know, when we first started, so the test is really what ushered in the positives. No, no one was sick with COVID until they started the testing at our facility. And then people no started one was dying. being sent. Huh? And then people started Say dying. That. Exactly. Once they were moved to the COVID units, they started passing away. But the COVID test itself, the test like yeah. from clinical lab in Hawaii, it, it states a positive result does not rule out bacterial infection or co-infection of other viruses. It's like so the right box there, of masks. It's like the mask box it, says will not protect you. It's extremely ambiguous. <laughs> the test at best is ambiguous. It goes on to further say that detection of SARS-CoV-2 may not indicate that SARS-CoV-2 is the causative agent <laughs> for clinical symptoms. So here the test itself, the gold standard yeah. test in Hawaii, the test itself is stating that even if they were to detect SARS-CoV-2 in your system, that doesn't, that, that doesn't fully indicate or mean that SARS-CoV-2 is the causative agent for your clinical symptoms. Yet, what every clinician is doing is they're equating every symptom to only SARS-CoV-2. So what got you to step out? Yes. What got you to step out and so, decide to tell these stories? So what happened was I was speaking to individuals one-on-one -on -one from the very beginning when I started seeing all the discrepancies because I saw how fearful my community was. I saw how fearful everyone was of, of this deadly killer, this COVID. If you got it, you were gonna die. You know, is, is, is what the theme was or the general consensus in my community. So as I would Uber to work, I would talk to people one-on-one. -on -one. They'd ask me, you know, what I did for a living since I was still working. And this is during the lockdown. I told them I work on COVID units, I'm a therapist. And then I would share what I was seeing. And it would actually give them comfort because they realized, okay, maybe this thing can be beat maybe maybe this thing isn't as bad as what they're you know letting us uh you know leading us on uh with so i was speaking out individually one-on-one -on -one, but my wife kept coaxing me to speak out more publicly it's always the and wives. I was very, they're always the warriors just so you know <laughs> very very reluctant <laughs> I mean... to um because I'm, I'm not a naive guy i know where things can go you know, I have a wife and, and family to provide for. Uh, so my wife, she drugged me out to a freedom rally at the Capitol here in Oahu, in Honolulu. And at the freedom rally, I had been talking to people all day, one-on-one, -on -one, just sharing my experience with them, letting them know, you know, all I'm taking is zinc, vitamin C, vitamin D3. I go out in the sun. I surf every day. I try to manage my stress. And, you know, I take some quercetin. And just basic stuff over the counter and I've, I've never gotten sick with COVID. At the end of the rally, a gentleman came up to me and said, hey, you, you know, your wife and a couple of people, uh, they've told me that you've worked on COVID units, you're a director of rehab. Like, I really want to hear a little bit of what you have to say. So I gave him 10 minutes of my time. When the video started rolling, I just let her rip. No. I didn't think anything after 
that. I didn't really know what yeah, I, had I, said. I watched that today. I, I didn't know. I didn't know what I had really said. I didn't know if I came off, you know, coherent or not. That was on a Saturday. That, that was on a Saturday. Sunday, I went to work. The next day, I went to work. Didn't think anything of it. I had a person come up to me that had worked on the, the first COVID unit that I'd worked on come up to me and say, hey, it was a housekeeper. This individual said, hey, I saw your video. My daughter showed me your video. And like, I know what you're saying is, is the, the truth. They gave me a little thumbs up and said, you know, I'm with you. And then they kind of scurried off. And you were like so this. I thought, okay. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, okay. That was Sunday. Hawaii's Monday. a small place. It's very Most small. Locals. And I was, I was a little naive to think I could just go back to work and things would, would be okay. Monday, I went to work again. Monday night, I was at work late, had a lot of patients to treat, a lot of documentation. A friend from Indonesia, I think he's Indonesia or Thailand. I forget where he was at the time. But he was overseas. Says, hey, you have a video that's gone viral. It's like all over the net. He's like, um, ha, ha, like that's crazy. So I said, like, what do you mean? Like, what video? He's like, the video you're talking about COVID. He's like, it's on BitChute. I'd never even heard of BitChute. I didn't know what Rumble was. And now, like, I know what these things are. But so he goes, here, I'll send it to you. So again, I hadn't seen the video. I, I barely remembered what I said. He sent me the video. That night at like 8.30, 9 o'clock at night at work, I watched the video in its entirety and it just blew me away. I thought, holy, you know what? Like, there's going to be some backlash. There's going to be some repercussion for this. Sure enough, that next morning, Tuesday morning, I had calls and emails from human uh, resources, from my uh, regional director, from corporate, telling me I'm not allowed to go into the facility that I work in, that I have to call them first. They have to figure out what's going on due to this video, you know. So I came out kind of impromptu. Mm -hmm. It wasn't planned. I was a little reluctant. I'm glad I came out. You know, I had been talking to people one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, the video was the first time I came out on a bigger platform, and it just resonated with people. So how long did it take? They, they wouldn't let you in the next day, the Tuesday. Yeah. How long did it take before they completely severed ties with you? Well, they wouldn't even tell me why they were. So they, I called my administrator uh, or I called my uh, regional director. I called uh, the people from human resources in my uh, corporate office. And I asked them what this was all about. They wouldn't really say. They were kind of beating around the bush. And I recorded all my, all my conversations with them. Uh, for my own safety and, and protection. So I recorded these conversations. They wouldn't really come out and say what it was about, but they said, well, you know, there's been some some people have brought to our attention that there's a video out there with you, you know, saying some things that doesn't paint the facility or the company in the best light, and we need to kind of determine what's going on. So I said, okay. So they put me on paid administrative leave for about a week so that they could determine how to address this, I guess. Uh, we had a couple conversations within that week during one of those conversations, they finally came out and admitted that it was due to the video that was labeled uh, Hawaii COVID whistleblower and that, you know, they had to investigate more into that video. I asked them if I could be a part of the investigation. They said they wanted me to be a part of the investigation, but they wouldn't give me access to any of the yeah. records at work. Again, they were keeping me away from work. I wasn't allowed to be on my laptop so that I could walk them through, you know, ICD-10 diagnosis codes that were changed, yeah. um, you know, from... Uh, regular diagnosis to, to COVID for higher reimbursement. After the week, they called me. Uh, we had a, our final call, and they 
decided to just terminate me. They said that they had no choice but to terminate my employment with them. Um, so what's yeah, the next so step? That, as a whistleblower, uh, the next, what's your next step? As a whistleblower, I did, I did tell them that I thought I had some whistleblower protection and that they were making the wrong move. I wasn't shocked by it. I kind of had a feeling they were going to go that route. I mean, I pretty much divulged, divulged some pretty powerful stuff. Um, you know, these are things that our skilled nursing facilities and our medical facilities don't want people to know. They don't want people to know what's truly going on. It's not the COVID that's killing people. It's the protocol or lack of protocol, you know, like in, in my circumstance, or even the vaccine that's hurting people more than the actual SARS-CoV-2. So, uh, so, stepping, so. so <clears throat> stepping forward has consequences. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is Did, why more people don't step forward. This is why, you know, many of my coworkers knew what was going on. While I was director of rehab, there was a meeting I was involved in called Triple Check. During that meeting, representative from um, the billing department, representative from rehab, which was always the director of rehab, and from mm -hmm. nursing, the director of nursing, or maybe MDS nursing staff who deal with billing and coding, we would have to triple check our ICD-10 diagnosis codes for each patient so that we all were using the same diagnosis code for that patient, nursing, therapy, billing. We had to do that in order to close our books to get paid at the end of the month. What they started doing was the billing department started determining which ICD-10 codes we were to use. Very strange because they're not clinicians, they're not practitioners, they don't work with patients. They should be the last people to be determining what a patient's diagnosis code yeah. is. When I asked why we were changing codes and why they were determining it, they said because if we put this COVID code, and there's there's various COVID codes you can use, we receive higher reimbursement for it. So, okay. you know, I'll go ahead. So, um, you came forward with all this information. Did they yes. did they then come out and say he's lying? That's not really what's happening. No, no one's did no they? one's come out. I, no one's come out and I mean, there's been people on social media claiming that I'm lying, but they're people that I don't know. <laughs> they're just trolls, I guess. But um, I mean, did they deny it? I mean, did, has this turned into a, some sort of investigation? Has anybody at the Department of Health? No, they never it? investigated it. They never investigated it. They said they wanted to and they never did. Uh, they never allowed me access to any records. But you were uh, fired. To, to, they just fired me. Yes. And did they, did they say that you're, you were terminated for job performance? Uh, I have the letter. I have to read what the letter said. But yeah, pretty much it was I didn't meet their standard of service in, huh. in for job performance, something very generic like that. So you, you did. And did you have to go? I mean, does, does this stop you from preclude you from going out and getting another job in this field? Uh, I mean, in Hawaii, it blacklisted. It's very hard. Hawaii is a small community. Uh, Hawaii therapy community is even smaller. Uh, the fact that, you know, videos that I've done have gone viral here in Hawaii. It's, it's really just blacklisted me from being able to work as a therapist. So it's definitely impacted me financially. It's impacted me professionally. Um, you know, I, 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 this is why more people don't come out. Because if yeah. you come out, if you tell the truth, you know, you're hailed as a hero amongst the community. But you're you've pretty much committed professional you yeah. know, suicide, occupational suicide by doing that. Um, you so know, it's... it's so it's extremely tough to acquire a job in therapy here in Hawaii. So what are you as, doing now? As well now? as now there's a vaccine mandate. So. so what are you doing now? 
uh, now I'm selling surfboards on Craigslist and I'm uh, doing uh, jobs for friends that own companies, uh, you know, whatever I can to, to make ends meet. You know, I, I would like to file a lawsuit, a wrongful termination or whistleblower lawsuit against this company and against the facilities that I worked in. Unfortunately, uh, every attorney that I've reached out to is, is just not want to really touch the case. So the attorneys won't, let me just, let me, let me, let me kind of spell this all out for everyone. If you're listening and tell you the, just the, the dangers of all this, because, um, I know, I know firsthand that, you know, that they, they will, they, they took a, a drug addicted, um, uh, abuser. I, I don't even know how you would call it that, that hated America and they turned him into a saint while they attacked me. And they're continuing to attack wow. me. So I get it, right? I had to step down as a CEO of my company. Um, wow. I'm, I'm going to be, um, my reputation is among the, the radical left. They, they have literally done everything they can to destroy my reputation. I continue to fight. I'm not selling surfboards yet, although I, I, I probably wouldn't <laughs> mind seems doing like, seems that. Like it seems like a lot of fun. Do, yeah. I mean, uh, frankly, it, to be on the beach and surfing every day, all day would be <laughs> awesome. I would just sell it to them and say, we got, I got to go try it first. Make sure it works. I don't want you to. But <laughs> well, it helps. It helps my sanity, you know, to get out there and do things that that I enjoy. Uh, definitely helps. But yeah, these are just personal surfboards of mine that I'm selling. Yeah, you know, to, to bring in money, selling whatever I can on you know Craigslist and. And, and yeah. on that note, before we let you go, I want to make sure everyone knows that you you have a GoFundMe. We don't. We send, won't. We won't send we won't, people. We're not me. sending people to GoFundMe. <laughs> but you also have a Give Send Go. Correct. Yes, I have a Give Send Go, PayPal. You know, all those things can be accessed by just typing in my name, Abrin Aguirre. Yes. Yeah. So um, we'll put up the Give Send Go. We will never, ever, ever, ever put up the <laughs> GoFundMe. I don't blame you. Will never happen. <laughs> has um, Go Has GoFundMe already dispersed the money? Because I saw you had a bit in there. Have they dispersed? Yeah, the they did. Yes, they did. Yeah. Okay, it, well, it, it, it took a little bit of uh, tooth and nail with them, but yeah, they were eventually they release the money. Well, yep. Adrian, I, I want to thank you for stopping by. I, I, I applaud you for this. As you said, it's not easy. It is, uh, you get lots of thanks, but again, you're blacklisted. So I, I want to thank you for, for doing this hard work, for coming on here, telling this story. I know it's impacted a lot of people. It, it's impacted me. I mean, these are the things that we all expected, we all suspected was happening, but to hear yes. it from someone who was actually there is is very yeah. terrifying. That's so, that's exactly what I've heard from my community. A lot of people had a feeling something was going on, and then once I came out, I just kind of reaffirmed yeah. what they thought all along. Yep. So, so um, let me let me. Do you know Kanakoa, by the way? No, I do not. All right. So he's uh, he's from Hawaii too. I don't know what mm -hmm. island he's on, but um, he's an amazing man. He he's a tireless okay. fighter. He's uh, been working for or helping with uncover some of the fraud that we have related to Hunter Biden and some of the other shenanigans oh, wow. that have been happening uh, stateside and in Hawaii. So um, we'll try to connect you. He's, in, but I know he's in Hawaii. Um, yeah, super, super good dude. Super good dude. Um, awesome. So I, I want to. I just want to encourage you that in the end, you have to push forward. I know that getting a lawyer to do anything for you. Um, there are legal services available. So there is a uh, legal defense uh, fund that is stateside, but it goes to all 50 states where they can help you write those things. You could do it pro se. You don't need a, a lawyer to do these things to file a wrongful termination. I know they make it seem like you do, but you don't, right? And so you can get some legal assistance 
And so we'll, we'll see if uh, we can come up with some people here that, and then there's Thomas Renz too. Yeah. We get Thomas that would Renz. Be great. I'd appreciate any resource you can pass my way. And, and yeah, look, these you. guys are really busy filing lawsuits all over the country and there's yeah. just a few people. And the problem with the, the legal profession is that you have a, a, a group of people that, that are just afraid. I mean, you have 30, 40% yep. of lawyers, they're afraid to lose their law license, they're afraid of, yep. of being ostracized in their community, they're just afraid. And then you have that 5%, and so I would just encourage you to keep calling lawyers um, and keep doing, staying on it on your side and just every day call three to five, every day call three to five, three to five, three to five. And then make sure you write down a narrative because it's always easier if you write it down than trying to regurgitate it every time. Yeah. So write it down yeah. and then say, look, I'm going to send it to you or read it to them, right? So you, okay. you, you have all the stuff in front of them. And, and yes. then, you know, obviously the, the other guys are just really bad, right? Yeah. So you have 50% of lawyers that are just <laughs> trash. So well, we're out of time. Abraham, again, I want to thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you for telling your story. And I want to wish you the best of luck moving forward. Yeah, thank you guys. I appreciate it. Thank you for creating this platform. It means okay. a lot. Oh, thank you. Keep fighting. Yes, absolutely. That's the plan. All right. Take care. We're out of time. Yeah, we're out of time. That was uh, an interesting story. Guys, go ahead and share that everywhere. Um, it, it, the, the things that struck me that I think are <clears throat> that we, we need to keep looking at is he watched somebody die of a UTI. Yeah that was supposed to go home. Yeah. So somebody's grandmother, grandfather, brother, sister, uh, father, mother, and he was very clear, he didn't divulge any information, didn't violate any sort of laws on that, died at the hands of these people who could care less about people dying. They just withheld care, which means dying of a UTI has gotta be no, painful. Unnecessary. Painful. Unnecessary. Unnecessary. So, so I'm just going to encourage people to, I mean, then you go from there to the 32 people died in a four month period of time because they got the, va they got the vaccine, even though they say that there's nothing to see here. Um, it just, it just, it, it's, it's terrible that we're even having this conversation. And yet we are, as we said this morning, go back and listen to the podcast we had this morning for DHS. Um, we are the, we are the terrorists. We are the bad people. Yeah. And this should tell you what kind of evil we have that is permeating our government and permeating our society. There's a reason why in the 30s and 40s that Hitler was not successful, and it's because good overcame evil. I would say that we're dealing with a vast, a, a bigger swath of evil, and now we're not talking about Germany, we're talking about the United States. And so I would just encourage everyone to stand up and to make your voice be heard. So we are, we are out of time. Can I do it? Yeah, go ahead. So I can practice? Yeah. I haven't memorized. No, 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 no. Are you serious? I've had it memorized for over a year. Yeah. That's yeah, it for this edition of the Conservative Daily Podcast. If you like the podcast, make sure you subscribe on all the different places where we're available on audio. That's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Podbean, and Audible. Especially if you can go on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a five-star review. It really does help us climb up in those rankings. And share it with your friends, right? If you, if you share this podcast with your friends, more people can see it. It helps us reach more people and get stories like this in front of more people who need to hear it. Uh, make sure you check us out on Rumble. If you're watching on Rumble now, make sure that you hit that Rumble button. It's a little plus symbol that's beneath the screen. I'm showing 32, but if you refresh the screen, there might be a, a 42. So hit that Rumble button if you haven't already. It's very, very, very important. Check us out. All those links in the description where you can find us live every day. Make sure you bookmark all of them. Sometimes one goes down. Sometimes another one does. 
Make sure they're all bookmarked. And very important, on that note, sign up for our text alert system. If you text the word FREEDOM to 89517, you'll get added to our text alert system, which will tell you how uh, how you can watch us and when we're going live and what we're going to be talking about. So, yeah, text FREEDOM to 89517. You'll get added to that. Um, that's it for this edition of the podcast. My name is Max McGuire. My name is Joe Oltman. Remember, the fight to take back the country is not over yet, but the only way we win is if we all stand up and fight together. <laughs>